0: the moment I fell into
1: the fissure that the book would not be destroyed as I had planned. It continued falling into that starry expanse of which I had only a fleeting glimpse. I've tried to speculate where it might have landed. I must admit, however, such conjecture is futile. Still, questions about whose hands might one day hold my missed book are unsettling to me. I know my apprehensions might never be allayed. And so I close, realizing that perhaps the end ending has not yet yet been written. written. <laughs>
0: Go that we should have guests on our show and i thought yeah maybe well, i guess we'll have some guests I'm, I'm tired of the guests there's too many guests a few too many guests yeah it's a bit it's like... your fault it was your idea i went along with it mm-hmm. but no more it's, okay? it's a bit like
1: when like a new writer takes over for a character they want to like establish a new status quo and it's like power girl moves to new york and starts a, a micro tech company
0: that's not what the audience wants. That's what nobody wants. No. They wanted Bro and Murph.
1: Yeah, yeah. We need to bring back. We need to bring back every character from the JSA to say hello. Yeah, Basic. And then just have the run end with her moving out of New York because who get ga-
0: who gives a shit, you know? <laughs> I, I think you've got some other stuff going on. I'm gonna leave that be. <laughs> um, I missed out on the blood Ovid
1: discussion. You did. You did miss out on the Blood Omen discussion and the E three discussion.
0: I I have very little notes on them. Y'all said the thing like Cal and you covered pretty much everything that needed to be covered. Um, I what I'm glad about is is the blood my Blood Omen feeling. I think applies more to this episode. If there's like an episode thesis, you okay. know what I
1: mean. All right, all right. We're we're planting. We're paying off
0: yeah yeah we're, we're setting everything up i i think what was really special about blood omen legacy of Cain, it taught me a lot about presentation because if you look at conventional like wisdom um a lot of what legacy of Cain or a lot of what blood omen would have been would have been very ugly and dated and in a way it is ugly and dated but like i think it's ugly and dated in a timeless way does yeah. that make sense yeah, yeah, no, I I get that. Like the way it, the way it plays to me like hits the right chords of like melodramatic Shakespeare but like taken with full sincerity and then like top of the line production values for their time dedicated to like a very specific presentation. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think I learned a lot about how special presentation can be, even if it's limited by tech, which video games often are. Video games are often like, oh, geez, this didn't look so good. Now, yeah, one hundred
1: percent. I think the only thing that I would want adjusted in Blood Omen is a few of the designs and the cutscenes are a bit stiff and butt ugly. I think they, <laughs> I, they, no. they can still be ugly. They just don't need to be butt ugly.
0: I get, I get what you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, especially in terms of the gameplay, I don't think there's anything particularly special. What but what I liked was how how not there were no problems with it. No Does that make sense? It's it's one of those like unequivocally
1: good games like uh like like Half Life. Um i think i I've, I've yeah it's just on paper it works yeah that, just, that's it now that i'm removed from the half life uh episode i can better articulate my my issue was is that it was just unequivocally good
0: there there was no excel points there was no like whoa. yeah 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 and i think uh presentation goes a long way for that so like when Blood Omen marries such, like, a dedicated presentation to such a solid game, like, that's when you get something really special. It was it was cool in that way.
1: Yeah. I'm also going to walk back my uh, statement from last episode saying I would like a prettied-up version of it. Having dwelled on that, I think what I really would prefer is just a re-release with some quality of life.
0: Yeah, like an HD remaster. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. 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 Um, cause yeah, I think, I think sound is probably the one area where like, even if it's aging badly, it ages so badly. Like, I, I don't know about you. I, I guess I emulated, so I can't speak to it, but, uh, I heard a lot of crackle and it, it just like sound wise, it sounded muffled in a way that I would love uncompressed real audio too. Yeah. Especially the voice performance. You didn't like hearing, um,
1: please help me kind sir. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> on loop no, that, didn't, no, that didn't improve but, <laughs> your your enjoyment of blood omen but Ve
0: victus on loop gives me heisen oh so yeah it's all good <laughs> um this tied in with nightmare of decay the indie game i played like a month
1: ago mm-hmm. now this is the uh this is the resident evil alike right
0: Yes. It's, yeah, it's basically a first person Resident Evil ripoff with, with some minor influences. I would say like, I would say like 60% to 70% of the game is Resident Evil just straight up now. Um, And then, and then like 20% is like first person dungeon crawling, which like Resident Evil already kind of flirts with in the dungeon sense of like narrow corridors, et cetera, et cetera. Now, which
1: era of Resident Evil are we talking about?
0: that's oh now you're now you're getting interesting um because i would say oh i would say okay so um basic level design slash uh gameplay wise it would be the early titles of like resident evil 1 it's a mansion um there's there's locked uh doors with special keys you have to use um i would say what makes it more interesting is when you get to slight variations or some more silent hill-esque puzzles or um specific enemy types that aren't necessarily like oh this is a super powered zombie but are much more like uh the sort of gun wielding uh I would compare it more to like the crossbow users of like the castle in Resident Evil 4. Does that make sense? Okay. Where there would be ranged opponents that actually matter and you have to care about them. Um,
1: It's like Resident Evil 1 through 3 if they had more of a focus on the combat.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way to say it. And then the first person perspective sort of gives you that also that 7 feel Mm -hmm. um, because of that immediate action uh, tied with the atmosphere. Um, The game doesn't look very good. I was going to say this is a game that's sort of the opposite almost to Blood Omen in that I think the biggest problem is the presentation feels very lacking. I mean, it's an independent game. There's, I'm pretty sure this is probably one of their first games. Um, but that being said, like you see it every step in terms of, um, just the, the models and quality and all that. However, what makes it special is just like, they didn't fuck up. That's, that's the long and short of it is like a basic essential Resident Evil experience is still good. And there is, there is not one hide or hair of a fuck up in the actual game design or level design. Okay, do you feel those?
1: Do you feel those lower res graphics are intentional, or is it like a matter of they went too far in trying to look like a PS one game?
0: I I would say that it's one of those things where you can tell when aesthetic is intentional and when you can and you can tell when aesthetic is a byproduct of necessity okay um i th- i think in this it was a byproduct of the production value rather than i mean i'm sure there is an element that's like yes we are inspired by these playstation games there's a there's more of a fantasy element to it as well which is why i also still cited the dungeon crawlers okay. uh, like the the there's no lab for instance, instead of a lab, you go into like a Kingsfield uh esque like literal fantasy dungeon. So it, it gets weird at certain points like that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think, I don't want to say it's a failure because I, I think necessity just makes it like that, but I don't know. You could just tell.
1: Okay. To you, it feels more like they're using the aesthetic as a crutch.
0: I mean, like, it would be mean to say it like that. I, if you're making a Resident Evil 1 game, then you, I guess you should. But I don't know when you play it, the the visuals and the execution of the presentation uh, leave much to be desired. It's the only way to say it.
1: Okay. Okay. That it kind of sounds like how I feel about a few of those like uh, retro boomer shooters we've been getting of late.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah okay well um especially when they when they mistake references this is also a problem with the game when they mistake references for writing content does Mm. that make sense so there's like an itchy tasty note there's like a (laughs) it's more like yes but there's also that's also where you see a lot more of the influences from other genres that's where you most visibly see the silent hill influences is in the heavy references to Silent Hill titles. And um, other than esoteric puzzles, I, I think I think those didn't necessarily need to be there. They were a tad obnoxious. But, you know, whatever.
1: Okay. Well, it may shock you that I also played a uh, sort of Resident Evil game Shocking. this week. I, I played uh, The Final Station, which, um, yes, okay. is a train game.
0: There, There's a running theme.
1: Yeah, and it runs on a track. Uh, I picked this up on the Steam sale mainly because it's been on my Steam wishlist forever. It's, I, I, according to my wishlist, I first put it there in 2013 and just have never bought it. So this was the sale
0: where I was like, ah, fuck it. I mean, how much was it? I'm sure it was like 80% off. It was $6. There you go. There you go. That's worth it. And
1: I'm glad I did cuz I I liked this game a lot. Um so this is a sort of zombie apocalypse game, but it's not it's it's got some interesting world building. It's kind of one of those post post-apocalypses where it's like there was a there was an apocalypse, we rebuilt fr- back from it fully and now it's like happening again.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Um. And also, it's not quite zombies. It's a uh, much more interesting the way. Um. It, it reads to me kind of like what if Ray Bradbury designed a world for a YA uh fiction title, and then someone wanted to make an M-rated zombie game out of it.
0: That's 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 a good pitch, though.
1: Yeah. So what you do in this game? It's a a. It's a minimalist pixel art style where it's a 2D side-scroller, you've got your pistol, you've got your shotgun, and you are a train conductor basically moving from station to station as this crisis is happening. It has a real slow burn start where it's very clear something's happening, but it's not until like really after you finish the first hour that the shit has hit the fan. Yeah, and you um have to go from station to station, looking for su- supplies and picking up survivors. Each station area is uh, handmade. There's no procedural generation or something, which I thought going in. Um, I I don't think the level design is like wildly great, but each area tells like a little story. Um, the enemies aren't that difficult to de- dispatch. In fact, I think it's the combat's pretty easy. Um, unless you start getting cocky or sleepwalking your way through it. There was one point where I was like, oh, I have a ton of bullets. I'll just go guns blazing through the zone. And I ended it with like all close to death and no bullets remaining. Yeah. So it's a lot about using using your melee because enemies go down in a consistent number of hits, using your environment, really looking for ways around enemies.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then you get on the train segments and the game does something that's a little experimental and interesting um, that I could definitely see annoying a lot of people. So, when you pick up survivors, they uh, the ride to your train until you reach like the next safe place, which could be a number of stations down the line. Um, and you have to manage their food, and if they're they're injured, you have to manage their health. And you've got to like bring them food packets. You've got to bring them med kits to keep those meters up, because if they drop to zero, then they just die. Um, at the same that, time, that sounds punishing. Yes, um, but if you bring them to uh, their final destination, they'll reward you with like a lot of money and supplies. Um, but at the same time, the train you're on is an experimental train, so a lot a lot of its systems are faulty, and so you have to like kind of go to different parts of the train and uh, fix them when they're uh, acting up. And if you just leave those sit, it's not a fail state, but it will drain the battery of your train, causing it to move slower. Oh, that's not good. So those passenger meters become more critical. So you uh, have to, like, move, keep your passengers happy and fed, have to keep the train running. But at the same time, your passengers have conversations with each other completely unprompted from you. You're just in the room and they're talking to each other. And that's how you get a lot of the world building and story of the game. So it's an interesting situation where you're spinning three plates, but the third plate is really entirely up to you whether it matters or not. Uh, There were circumstances where I was like hesitating in the passenger car because I'm like, I really want to hear what this conversation is, but I got to go check on like the front of the train to make sure it's running properly.
0: That's That's a great way to measure your investment. Is because you can tangibly see what you're sacrificing for the sake of learning.
1: Yeah. Just the world. And it's, it. I really got into it. Like there was a part where I came back into the passenger car, just as like one of the guys said something along the lines of like, we put God in the reactor. And I was like, you put what in the what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it, it's stuff like that. Um, I think there is one segment and people who, play the game and have played the game will know what I'm talking about. There's one segment where it really feels like you shouldn't be doing the micromanaging and sitting and listening to what the people are saying. Um, But I won't spoil that. Um, Yeah, I think this game is good. I, I think it's worth it at full price. I got three hours out of it. Um, The story is worthwhile. It has a real gut punch ending. It does have a DLC chapter that came out recently, but I'm not interested in it because like the first line of the store page is learn the secrets of the world of final station. And this is not a story where I need answers to anything going on. In fact, I think that would cheapen the experience.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. We could we could talk about that later on as well, but yeah. Yeah. I
1: that that's it. Um, I'm, I'm glad I finally bought it. I think it's a worthwhile uh, purchase.
0: Damn. Well, all right.
1: That is sick. How much was it? Uh, it's fifteen dollars, but uh, it goes for six dollars on sale. I've never seen it cheaper than six. Okay, all right. And you played another game too, right? Yes, I've I've uh, my second game is Ravenfield. Uh, what is this? Kind of stepping away from the survival horror, uh, conversations we've been having. Um, are Brogan, are you a, are you a lonely sort? Are you? <laughs> Do do you you have to just have me Bare my soul in the middle of a podcast Do you not really like hanging out with others I don't like it Do you miss the days of bots Yes I love bots Okay, So Ravenfield Is a single player only uh, First person shooter That Allows you to put as many Bots on the battlefield as you want it has a uh, sort of battlefront like original battlefront style gameplay of like capturing points and managing your reinforcements um but it has a super low uh graphic style and that's so you can really like cram in like you can set so many parameters like i want this side to have 500 dudes i want this side to have (laughs) 600 dudes the most i've gotten is 800
0: for both teams the scale you're you're just interested in the scale of battle
1: yeah and that's what um this is and now what's really great about Ravenfield is it's also highly moddable there is a very large very dedicated mod scene around this game that basically allow you to make it into whatever sort of FPS you want um you know there are people that have done like obligatory like straight military simulator mods in fact that's really the the bulk of them it's like oh recreate whatever famous battle from history you want but there are also people that are making like hey here's a medieval weapon pack and skin pack here's a zombie pack here's muskets i did a great match where i did um 200 dudes with muskets and flintlock pistols against uh 50 dudes with modern <laughs> machine guns and that was a fun yeah. match there you go. So it's just a uh, very highly customizable, very moddable. Um, I'm getting, uh, I got it on Friday, and I've basically played it every day since in some capacity. Um, it strikes me as one of those games where if this had come out in like 2012, by this point in time, everyone would have it in their Steam library, just out of obligation.
0: Some Gary's Mod shit. Yeah, it's
1: like Gary, it, it definitely reminds me of Gary's Mod. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I don't have many complaints with the game, because it's a game that's kind of hard to complain about like you know what it is um, when you get it yeah. i think the vehicle controls are a bit ass um every time i've tried to fly a helicopter i just immediately crash into the ground and die um uh, okay but but otherwise i'm i'm getting a ton of fun out of it it's really scratching an itch that i have not had scratched in a long time
0: there you go. That's that's how we measure things in the Daydreamcast, is itches and scratches. Have you played a game that scratched an itch? Maybe something that rhymes
1: with Moomerangi Minerations?
0: if <laughs> you're getting worse at the transitions. <laughs> uh, yes, I did. What? I played Mumurangi Generations. I, I think I played a, like a special edition, the one that's on Game Pass. That's the one I played. With, uh, all the content. Okay, so, um,
1: just on the name alone, this strikes me as some weeb shit?
0: Uh, it, you know, I don't- I don't- I wouldn't say that, although I would say there's definitely, um, some anime influences, uh, I, I the the game is basically a photography game and the the pitch would definitely be Jet Set Radio but for photography instead of graffiti. Okay. Although there is graffiti in the game.
1: <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at the Steam page and the first sentence is a first person photography game set in
0: a shitty future. Yeah. Well, it's it's well the the pitch is is that you're in like a, an alternate future where like aliens have invaded but they're like weird blue squid aliens. Um the gimmick for them is is they're like the one thing you can't take pictures of. If they're in the picture, you can't ph- photograph it. They don't show up or like the picture cancels out. Oh, okay. Um which is one of it's one of the few rules to the game because what I like about the game is is that that Camera system is definitely complex and mechanically enriching and rewarding, but it's not its not like very oppressive or objective in terms of rating things. Other camera systems and mechanics in games are very like, oh, you get 5,000 points for this dynamic pose. There is like a little bit of a backbone to that, but progression in the game isn't measured by that, and it's much more measured by your own expression and just how you're interacting with the world. Okay. And, and yet... And yeah, the world in terms of like politics and quote unquote shittiness is definitely like I, I I wrote down what I felt. It was like Jet Set Radio meets Evangelion meets District 9. And then like the core political commentary is that like Shin Godzilla thing where it's like the mediocrity of institutions that are just trying to preserve what they have now rather than protect or build, especially in moments of crisis. This was a post COVID game. Uh-huh. And I also thought when I played it, how it was commenting on COVID. Um And I think like film and television were the quickest to change based on that because of how communal they are in like the format of release, but like for video games, um I felt, I feel much more of a connection to that critical commentary.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you think, like you got it on Game Pass is it something that would be worthwhile just to purchase cuz everything you everything you put into that little soup you uh, just described I'm I'm totally into
0: I I don't know how much it is normally I pay like 20 bucks for it
1: $15 but 22 for the complete edition
0: I I would do 22 for the complete edition I I would I would do it yes
1: It looks like a game that would have a good soundtrack does it have a good soundtrack
0: Yes it does uh again it's very like it's very aesthetic um I, the other thing i like is the colors so like i i think cal is a very audio visual guy and i was trying to think of the difference between him and i and i think i think this is a really good game to showcase that because visually and auditory it's it's a very great experience but i like i like how i'm able to play a role into the spectating and like photography itself if you if you do photography in real life there's that detached observerness or the detached observation that sort of like gives you a nice perspective and that and this game provides that in a really nice way i've never felt a game do before
1: okay is the photography like hard like is it actually
0: asking you to get quote-unquote good shots no, no. That I mean, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Is is like the the mechanics of the game are not based on oh, you need X score based on this dynamic pose of this. It's it's a list of things, right? Take a picture of a skull holding a a cigarette, and there's like ten different versions of that symbol, and you start to find out what that symbol means. For instance, okay, and you can take a picture of any of those as long as you took a picture of it does that make sense yeah so it's you a little can do it in any let me know if this yeah. is a reach
1: it's a little like like the special levels in katamari
0: <laughs> no it's it, Where... there's little specifics okay i see and um and yeah i mean it, it doesn't rank you on how good the picture is that's that is not the point of the game. Instead, the the list of things you have to take a picture of are more like a, a guided approach so you can experience at least the most important things they wanted you to experience in the world. That's the best way to say it.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I follow that. I'm definitely going to, It's I've added it to my wish list now um, because looking at it and hearing you talk about it, this uh, definitely seems like something that would be up my
0: alley. And uh, the station, like the station, I'm sure it'll take you years, but once it's on sale for $6, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you'll uh uh be talking about it here. Yeah,
1: yeah, I picked up a few other games on the Steam sale, but uh, at the recommendation of some of our listeners on the Twin Geeks Discord, but I will be getting to those next episode. There we go. Instead, uh, th- this week, instead of games like Loop Hero or Return to Oprah Den, I played uh, Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble. Tell me about this. So, this is this is not a doinking game, as the uh, the title may suggest. This is an odd one. I didn't know what I was getting into when I clicked install on this. So this, I learned this is from two thousand seven. So it's like okay. you know, like positively ancient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What this is is it's. A game about being a high school girl in the 1920s and forming your own gang of like-minded high school girls to solve mysteries around town.
0: So it's... Oh my gosh, it's like a Scooby-Doo game.
1: It's not quite Scooby-Doo. Think more like Nancy Drew or American Girls. I'm about that, though.
0: Yeah, all right.
1: But it's done... the The aesthetic is done in the style of a board game... But the u- user interface is like a mid-2000s Angelfire website.
0: That's fucking funny. So
1: I don't think that last bit is wholly intentional on the devs' part. I think they were just working with the assets they had. But the UI is kind of awful
0: because of it. Um, so So this goes back to the Nightmare of Decay thing regarding... Sometimes aesthetic is beget by necessity. Yeah.
1: yeah. So this, I don't think this is a bad game. I don't
0: think this is a bad game,
1: but I don't, I think it's just like, holy, not for me. Like, I, Okay. It, it is like, it's like an edutainment game without the educational part. Does that, yeah. does that check out to you?
0: <laughs> that, that does check out it does check out so, a little bit elaborate
1: okay so you solve mystery like you start solving mysteries in your high school and then you branch out to the town and the like the peer and such and how the game works is uh, you have you have your queen who is your lead girl you pick at the start with like no information on what any of these stats mean and then you recruit three other girls at the start and when you confront an adult or a peer it goes into one of four mini games. It's either going to be hangman, uh, liars dice, some 1920s parlor game I've never heard of, or insult fighting from Monkey Island. And those okay. those are the only four games. So you really hmm. gotta like those games. Of uh, of those, do you like those games? <laughs> I guess the hangman was a little engaging because it's like you're uncovering sentences and you have to guess like what the next word is. Um, Yeah. It does, the game does have a sense of charm to it. It really, like, like I said, it's like a, like an old Nancy Drew book. Not like any of the new, like reinventions of that, like, like original, like uh, my dad gave me his Hardy Boy books to read growing up and this reminds me of those very much. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's like, it's fine. <laughs> like, like it's kind of the opposite end of the spec spectrum, as we were saying from legacy of Kane, like it's unequivocally good, I guess, but I don't really think I can recommend it because it's just feels like a game out of time. I
0: get you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've played, I've played a lot of like kids. I've played Nancy drew games, mm-hmm. like the, the haunted terracel shout outs to that one. Um, and those, I don't know if this is lining up, but it is literally like it was built for kids. So it's palatable to kids, but it's also too complex and not kiddy enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and it's like, and it's like, where I don't know whose audience this would be for. I guess 13 year old girls. Yeah. is I would ask you if 13 year old girls is your game's primary audience.
1: Yeah. Like I, like I said, it's, It feels like it wants to be educational, but I'm learning nothing about the time period or what it means to be a a high school girl in the 20s. Like, they haven't brought up, like, prohibition yet at all. Uh, (laughs) It's not relevant, clearly. No, it's not relevant, but also, like, I'm not, you know, there's, like, a throwaway joke about the suffragette movement.
0: Oh, that would have been nice. But it's not like they stopped. They probably and... would have cared about that one. It's
1: not like they bring up like a card that says, "In 1921, uh, Susan B. Anthony, <laughs> jabba dabba da." You know, so that would have been nice. I I think for like Assassin's Creed would have done that. <laughs> they would have, and then they would have had Susan B. Anthony give you like a cool dagger. <laughs> oh, okay, continue. Yeah, I think for like a a child, not necessarily a girl. Uh, from like 10 to 12 and also it was 20 years ago Uh, yeah. would, would enjoy this but I think these days kids want I think there's been advancements in, in <laughs> children's media
0: yeah I can see that sure they may not be interested in this is what you're saying
1: yeah it's just a it's just a curious artifact that I I went into completely blind and I Probably won't play anymore, but I didn't hate my time with it. And that's that's my take on Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble. Dangerous Murph in Trouble. Oh, yeah.
0: There we go. Uh, are we ready for the Variety Minute? Yeah, already? yeah.
1: I think, you know what? I think I could recommend Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble if it got, like, a remake or an update of sorts to fix the uh-huh. UI problems
0: there we go all right that reminds me this week's variety minute is remakes and remasters that's uh video games are such an interesting product when it comes to remakes Yeah, um, I think of it in terms of like the fucking thinking of these versus like the Psycho remake, where it was like Mm -hmm. shot for shot. And it's like one of those. And it's like, people, people don't know what to make of something like that. Whereas video games are so clearly dependent on the technology of the time to like codify the sound and visuals and like they're always evolving that it's it's night and day difference but also as we talked about with Blood Omen sometimes you don't want that sometimes you don't need that
1: mhm mhm i think like for me the baseline for what a good remake is is something like Resident Evil 1 remake
0: that that is now my favorite remake
1: yeah where it is very clearly the same gameplay but it improves on the original story and even adds like new things. So it's, it's still surprising to people that have played the original.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like you could, you could technically argue that like fixing something um, makes it worse. I, I mean, I'm sure people would, might be disappointed in the, I would say like slightly to moderately better production value, especially in regards to the voice acting of remake. But that being said, like, I think what's really nice about Remake is the creative stuff they added, like the Crimson Heads, where it completely changes the dynamic. It feels fresh, but it never feels obtrusive to the original experience.
1: Yeah, and I think a large part of that is that that Remake was handled by a lot of the original team that worked on the first one. And now it's like, okay, we're making the version we wanted to do, but couldn't because we were confined by the limitations of the time. Yeah, And those consistently are like the remakes that turn out really well whereas with certain other franchises where a new team comes in and says we're gonna remake this from the ground up you get kind of mixed results
0: yeah yeah i mean i was i was about to ask how do you feel about a new team entirely like are you always opposed to a new team especially one that like you've never fucking heard of remake a game it really
1: depends on what the direction of the remake is so if it's something like if it's something where they're gonna make it from the ground up but it's the same game like the the shadow of the colossus for ps4 yeah that's kind of like one of those why bother remakes to me but when it's Mm -hmm. something where it's reimagining the original game or it's taking the original story in a new direction something like the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes or the Final Fantasy 7 remake where the intent is not quite to remake Final Fantasy 7 but make a remake that's aware that it's a remake
0: it's it's a separate game but it's sort of a game that sort of understands the 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 original intent and just reinterprets it for modern tastes or a different genre yeah mm-hmm. um how do you feel about like the? You haven't played Crash Bandicoot. I'm trying to think of one you would have played. Um, that's like in that ballpark. So I do
1: know. I I have played the uh, the Insane Trilogy to a degree.
0: Um, okay. Yes. And I, those are those would be like aside from if you got nitpicky, those are like shot for shot remakes. Yeah, like, and those I, are I I do
1: remakes. take issue with them actually. Um, okay. For
0: starters, strictly from a
1: gameplay perspective. It's Crash One through Three, but they made the physics for all three games based on Crash Three, which don't yes. necessarily
0: work for One and Two. It, especially One, I think. I think the issues when you when it comes to One, because Crash's movement is very particular, especially in platforming. I had a much more difficult time with the bridge segment in Crash One, mm-hmm. the one with the turtles. Yeah, yeah, that's um, the one
1: I saw everyone yeah. talking about. That's the one where the
0: physics matter.
1: And then people that don't play the game or know the mechanics get on their keyboards and like, I beat this when I was seven. It's like, yeah, you beat the one that was designed right for this level.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, Um, But I even take issue with the visuals of the Insane Trilogy because to me, like, original Crash works better when it's not looking realistic. Like, to me, Crash has always felt something like a... Like, what if a Tex Avery cartoon was a video game? You know, and giving oh, you see, okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. And giving it like this realistic go fur ahead. texture, and like good lighting and environments. I don't know. It it's it's like it's like Space Jam 2 Bugs Bunny. You know. Uh,
0: you you know it's it's so weird because there's there's a part of me that agrees with you, and then there's a part of me that disagrees because I think um, I think uh, let me try to think of the way to say this. When, you, when we talk about fur and basic design, it is it is actively trying to like give that realistic texture to those characters. However, I think in terms of animation and voice, I think they actually doubled down on the Saturday morning stuff. Mm. And I think if you look at, um, like for instance, Neo Cortex is very different from the original three and he's much more in line with, what Cortex is now as a character in terms of, Oh, I'm goofy and cartoony. Yeah. Like that, that, that is like, that is the new Cortex and they reinterpreted him in those old games like that versus the original Clancy Brown, a lot more sinister, a lot more basic, which I mean, you could complain about, but I think is that I I think when we hit those weird marriages, you know, whatever, uh, I would say that crash Four um, The out of time one, which I didn't play a lot of, but I saw a lot of clips of, uh, is probably them trying to fulfill a much more visual, cartoony design.
1: Yeah, and I think Crash 4 definitely looks better compared to the Insane Trilogy. Um, Yeah. Because it's trying very much to be its own thing, rather than just shot for shot remaking something that came before, but doing it in a with a different coat of paint on it, if that makes sense. So,
0: so, so you're definitely not about like the blue point demon souls remake then. Right.
1: I mean, I don't, I haven't played the original demon souls. I don't really have much intent to play this one because it just reads like all the issues I had with dark souls one, but more
0: really. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you should give demon souls a shit, okay. but that being <laughs> said, um, I I'm curious as to like, because of that distance are, would you be interested in like emulating the original or would you would Murph pick up the remake?
1: I think if I were to play Demon Souls, I guess I would play the remake.
0: OK, that that's interesting. But OK, all right. I'm taking notes here. What, what other what other remakes and remasters are there? Oh, there's a Last of Us remake. That's I mean, the one that needed to happen. There's a Last of Us
1: remake and a remaster. And Ooh, yeah, kind of is. going back to what I said last episode, it's like, you know, wh- which of these is going to be considered the definitive one. And in my heart of hearts, I can't really say at this point that the remake is going to be seen as the definitive one at all. Unless Sony pulls a move where they just make the, the old version. Un- like you can't buy it anymore.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, that reminds me of the white or not whitewash. Uh, it reminds me of the changing of Spider-Man mm-hmm. from, yeah. like, in the Insomniac, where they just completely recasted the model. And it's like, what what are we doing? Why did you do that? What was the purpose of the choice? Because they wanted the Spider-Man to look younger, to
1: reflect his naivete. But also, this is not a very naive Spider-Man.
0: The idea is... It's an experienced Peter Parker. Yeah. yeah. It's stupid.
1: So, I it, that one, like, makes no sense to me. And it, like... I I don't know the anatomy of that issue too well, but it seems like something where they were responding to a very niche vocal minority.
0: Yeah. What about, like,
1: okay, so when we talk about definitive versions of a video game with a remake, how do you feel about, like, the Mario All Stars collection?
0: (laughs) Uh, um,. I, I actually don't mind it. I think that is a scenario because 2D uh games, this I, I said I had a take on it, and I'm trying to articulate it, but I'm trying to articulate it live. Um with 2D games, there's a lot of precision, especially for Mario platforming, and precision really matters a lot. And that was that was one of the games where I sort of figured out that weird balance between um, simplicity versus um, def, uh, Fidelity Obscuring um, I would compare it also to like Mega Man The Wily Wars for the Sega Genesis Where these games were Made um, Spatially for 8 bits Like the the size of the sprite The size of the enemy The pace of the game were built For this graphical fidelity And, they're, and When they change it it, it kind of fucks up the game in a weird way. Um, it varies a bit depending on the game. Like I would say super Mario bros two USA, the Doki Doki panic game, that game benefits really well from the updated graphics.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. Like the, that one, like, and there's a reason why that one was the first, uh, Mario advanced game, but I would say the original super Mario brothers or Mario bros two lost levels, Uh, Those were the 8-bit, very simple games, too. Like, in terms of visuals, Super Mario Bros. 1 is not a looker. Um, So when you throw in the slap of paint, I think the paint gets in the way. Hmm. Okay.
1: Because I basically only know... The uh, All-Stars versions, because those were the ones ported to the Game Boy Advance, where I played them. The Mario Advance collection. of
0: course. And to me... Where it it threw in Game Boy Advance sounds.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like Toad going, yeah! And to me, I don't really mind the uh, remade versions of 1, 2, and 3, because to me, those do feel definitive. It's not like I'm feeling... When I look at, like, comparisons between Mario 3 and Mario All-Stars 3, there's not a feeling of, like, oh, well, in the original, the Goombas looked more sinister, so you're missing out on a particular
0: tone, you know? I th- I think the way you answered that probably answers the question at large of whether or not something is going to be definitive. It's going to be definitive to the person who played it the first time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So Demon Souls or Last of Us or spider-man on ps5 um if there's enough people who play it it will become the one that dominates people's uh, hearts and minds I,
1: guess. I think the time between the original and the remake matters a lot because yeah. there is a feeling of like something like the medieval remake um oh i loved it. i loved the medieval remake yeah and but that's like has a feeling of like it's bringing it to a new generation and for the generation that grew yes. up with it, it's like, this is how the game looked to them in their mind.
0: Yeah, that, that one's not seeking to replace a definitive experience. It's it's more like, we're not going to make a sequel to this. We would much rather keep what worked. You liked what worked. And these people get to experience it in a new way because Zoomers can't play old stuff. <laughs> Zoomers
1: can't play old stuff? Is that uh, your bumper sticker? No.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting older, Murph. It's it's getting. Can I put there. that on a shirt and wear that to PAX? There, if you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, have... I I think you'd get yelled at, but <laughs> I mean, all any attention's good attention, right?
1: Yeah, I have a particular uh, topic when it comes to remakes. Okay. And this is this is going to sort of the esports scene when companies right. take um, older games that have a very dedicated homegrown fan base that uh, play it multiplayer. But then the uh, company remakes the game so that they have control over the uh, the eSports scene of it. Uh, Is this
0: an Activision Blizzard thing or something? Um, or you
1: know, to a degree, like I did put down like the Warcraft 3 Reforged, where yeah. they remade Warcraft 3 with new models and then did a heavy push for the eSports scene. But everyone just yeah. went back to the original because that's, Much more moddable. Most recently, to games I grew up with, is like the Age of Empires Definitive Editions, Mm -hmm. which occupy a very strange place. So, Age of Empires 2 is the one everyone likes, Um, it's like the Melee. Of the franchise okay so uh like a decade ago they put out an age of empires 2 hd edition um and to that edition they released expansion packs and content updates and uh balance patches and so over time everyone that played the original migrated over to the hd edition but now what um When the company who put that out, Forgotten Empires, was bought by Microsoft, they then put out the definitive editions of Age of Empires 2 and continue to uh, support it with expansion packs. It just had its third expansion pack in like a year. Um, But they also did a definitive edition of Age of Empires 3. And at the same time of that announcement, they announced a new game, Age of Empires 4. So they're pushing these three games that seemingly are in sequence to an esports scene. But they're able to do it because two, three, and four play wildly differently from each other.
0: So there's not going to be, they're not going to swallow each other up. You know, it'd be like if
1: Capcom was putting, pushing forward, uh, Street, Street Fighter, Fighter or
0: Marvel versus Capcom, like those are completely different. games. Yeah, well,
1: yeah. I was gonna say like you know if they were still supporting Street Fighter Five along with Street Fighter Six because Five has characters and mechanics that Six doesn't, so they see it as a separate game.
0: Well, I mean, people do. I mean, seriously, I mean, what what makes that live or die is whether or not there's enough dedicated people because you can still find people who play Super Turbo and, and yeah, and I was gonna still bring that up like play, Street
1: Fighter Two y- Turbo which came out only yeah, a few years ago and had like new characters added to street fighter two.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that That's a good example. And then like, but people can still play it. You could just switch off the things. And, and if, if it's a problem, especially in a fighting game, they'll just ban the character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I th- I support anything like that for mm-hmm. sure, especially with improved net code. Cause like uh net code matters so much to these games. Um, a lot of times it's more hard to be able to play it the way it is. So, I, you know, half the time you don't even want a remaster. You just want to be able to load the game properly on your fucking PC and you can't because this game came out in 95. What the fuck? Yeah, and I think that's where, in some circumstances for those older
1: multiplayer games, I wouldn't want a remake. I would just want a re-release with proper working netcode. Servers or whatever, yeah. Like, you yeah. know, if, if uh, EA said, hey, we're re-releasing 2005 Battlefront 2 but it will have working oh. multiplayer lobbies.
0: Oh, people would buy that. Yeah. Rather than people me having fucking... to go
1: through like <laughs> fucking like sketchy ass Russian sites to connect to a lobby where I immediately get shot by four dudes playing Wookiees.
0: Yeah. 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 That's... yeah. And then, but people don't see, I don't, I don't know if they don't see the money in it or if there is no money in it or what,
1: but I think it really is kind of like the, um, like sort of the Nintendo approach to things. Where they want uh, control over what the image is, you know, yes. it's not like Nintendo is gonna re-release Melee, even though Melee is undeniably very popular still, because in Nintendo's mind, Ultimate is the current Smash, so all imaging should be around Ultimate.
0: Well, well, I mean, the, to be fair, for instance, like that when we talk about splintering a fanbase, if you re- like if you release an HD version of Melee what the fuck is half the competitive scene gonna play mm-hmm. yeah versus ultimate and like and at a certain point in time they're aware that um you know that would cut into sales so there's an element of that but i guess then it all goes down to fan stuff fan remakes or yeah fan releases or
1: fan support and that was actually the next little uh bullet point i had on my list was like fan remakes like uh you know, have you ever kept tabs on those guys that try to remake uh Morrowind and Oblivion in the Skyrim engine? Yes.
0: Yep, 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 yep. And I mean I've played fan remakes. AM two R is a very famous one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or um I put down like the uh King's Quest uh two and three fan remakes where they do them in the yep. style of King Quest King's Quest six with like voice acting and a more expanded story. And they were so popular that they got like actual voice actors from the King Quest ser- series to uh be in them like they got the original voice of King Graham to voice in that's the awesome. uh, two and three remake
0: that, that's the dream as a fan too. and yeah, I think
1: it's just yeah, like my original statement I just it's about how definitive something feels and whether or not there's a feeling of replacing the original because in some circumstances, yeah, the the fan remake of two is very good, but it's also just doesn't have the same aesthetic and vibe as the original King's Quest two. You know,
0: yeah. and I think there is merit in absolutely...
1: the artistic vision of the original two.
0: Well, if you consult the Metroid conversation uh, between David and Pavlos and I, mm-hmm. um, we came to a similar thing with AM2R because AM2R, what fan remakes do is, um, especially when they take liberties to remake them. Black Mesa for Half-Life is another example. I completely forgot about it. Um where you see what they value, mm-hmm. what a fan values, and those may not necessarily be the same values you had. Yeah. Um, for instance, for Pavlos and David, they valued the atmosphere of the original Metroid 2, whereas the people that wanted to play AM2R or wanted to make it wanted to make a more conventional Metroid game but be able to like dig- a way to digest Metroid 2 in a way that they're comfortable with. Yeah. You know? No, no, I totally get that. Because... And that's weird. Th- that's where we get nutty. And maybe that's a conversation we can put off or whatever. Yeah, but that's, I, that I is something I don't think the remake
1: conversation on. will end because our game of the week is something that... Has quite a few different versions of it out.
0: Yeah. Do you want to talk about the game of the week? Is is it already time? Are I mean, it, it, it can
1: be. Do you have any other uh, remakes you want to touch on? Like, what's your favorite remake? It would have been Resident Evil One remake. Okay. Well, that's my favorite remake. So we're at an impasse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think of the Pokemon remakes? Real quick. I did write it down.
1: Oh, so like the the Fire Red, the Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Um, those ones are interesting because in a lot of circumstances it's not so much about up like being able to play pokemon red version again it's being able to play pokemon red version again with the modern mechanics and i think that is where the allure of these uh the pokemon remakes lie like being able to go through ruby and sapphire with the new mega evolution mechanic and having the story like adjusted for that
0: um i think i think pokemon fans are very starved for mechanical complexity mm-hmm. um at least in terms of a base single player experience i can't speak to competitive so like yeah i'm i'm sure being able to reinterpret it that way adds greatly to it i would say that like for leaf green fire red it was a little too just like i don't know i i, I didn't feel like a huge jump but like heart gold Soul silver felt like a completely new experience yeah in the best way
1: to and me. those to me are games where i would recommend the remake over the original pretty much every time i guess the ruby and even S- diamond and pearl the diamond and pearl one i haven't played because i hate gen 4 that's
0: fair um, i mean <laughs> no arguments from me um because t- to me the
1: original pokemon games have not aged well um mm-hmm. i i think i guess that to what i said earlier there is an aesthetic to the original like pixel art in things but like we were talking about with the with the Mario remakes, um, the readability is more important to me. And yeah. like, you know, in the original games, when you look at your party, they're not actually represented by the Pokemon sprites. It's just like some generic creature placeholder to, based on what the, the type is. Whereas in the yeah. modern games, it just shows you a picture of the Pokemon. And that those are the sorts of updates that I want. I wouldn't want like a Pokemon D make.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I absolutely get what you mean. Um, Yeah because that that helps you engross you in the world and that's like your value as a player
1: yeah and also i can't go back to unlearning mechanics i know like you know if i went back pre-gen 3 and had to forget about like the physical special split i wouldn't be able to make any progress
0: i get it All all right now it is time murph let's talk about some books and ages I try to make this one short and sweet. Okay, so our game of the week today is *Mist*. *Mist* is a computer game, specifically originally a Mac game, initially released in 1993. It was made by two brothers, Robin and Rand Miller. It's an early walking simulator mixed with a puzzle adventure game. Basically, you are teleported by books into other worlds. You end up in a world called Mist, which is a library and a hub world between worlds. You uncover a family drama consisting of two brothers and their father, who gave them way too much power. You'll hop between worlds collecting pages and figuring out truth to the mystery. The game was originally made in a program called HyperCard which is like a Macintosh version of PowerPoint with index cards. Um, So navigation in the original versions of this are by nodes, which are completely pre-rendered with sound and graphics. Um, There have been plenty of remakes and remasters of this game, though. Um, The core appeal remains the same, which and are largely visual or minor tweaks to how you input. Um, But Murph, what did you think of Myst?
1: I liked this game a lot. Um, I did this game entirely in one six-hour sitting because I couldn't step away from it. You know, in in my old age, I've become very obsessed with this idea of liminal spaces. Do you know what a liminal space is, Brogan? Say it. A liminal space is something that it's a location not meant to be lived in. It is a location that you basically are passing through. A a doctor's waiting room is a liminal space. A bus stop is a liminal space. Um, Yeah. A train station. A train station. Yes, exactly. And the train itself is a liminal space. Um, And to me, mist really captures this atmosphere of you going through places that they're like wholly constructed worlds. You're not meant to stay in them. They're almost like from the descriptions of them themselves they're almost like a an odd form of virtual reality just with a more mystical Mm -hmm. aesthetic they are they are crafted they are written down and then sort of evolve on their own and that vibe and aesthetic i just really found enrapturing.
0: i i agree um this game for me goes back to that audio visual thing but where it's i can experience the uh where i can experience it at my own pace this was a game where i was very intimidated every time i picked this game up before i i'd get scared at that first island and um when i looked at dev interviews um they were like a lot of people probably didn't get past mist no one there's a lot of people that probably didn't get to any other world Mm -hmm. um even though the puzzles aren't that bad to get to other worlds um except for one i guess we'll talk about later yes um (laughs) but <laughs> but but that being said, um, there is enough there on that base island for you to feel like you to feel like that there is a depth that you can appreciate even if you can't appreciate it yet. And then when you finally do start to engage with the puzzles, none of the puzzles are uh like backwards, brain difficult. they're no. all they're all way more graceful um, I was going to compare it to the witness. Have you ever played the witness? No, I haven't. Um, the Witness is very clearly inspired by this game It's also by John Blow, the guy that did Braid mm-hmm. um, It's a walking around An island game and solving puzzles um, But that, I think I think the fundamental difference there And the way I can appreciate Myst is, Is that The witness is very like explicitly a puzzle to the point where there's so many puzzles and you very clearly do them and your brain's like on that train of thought Mm -hmm. and to where the point where the island is meshed into a puzzle. The the whole island is a puzzle. Yeah. Whereas in mist it's it's the opposite where it's like yes there are puzzles everywhere. But the puzzles aren't puzzles. You're not thinking of them as puzzles. You're thinking of them in a much more organic way in terms of how the world functions. Yes,
1: yes. And it's all very, like... It's all very tactile. It's a lot of figuring out how machines work and a lot of cause and effect. And I think... I think pretty much all the puzzles are pretty darn good except for the one that's awful. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Did, Did you like the labyrinth? I... Um, so to me in puzzle games, uh, mazes and sliding panel puzzles are a crutch from the sure. devs. Um, so the, the underground maze, I futzed around for like 10 minutes. And then I was like, this is the la this is like the second to last age I'm on. I'm just going to look up the solution. But there when I replayed the game in the 2021 version, because that has randomized puzzles... I did it legit. You should not do that. There you go. And oh, I think the pu- I think the maze is not terrible because it does tell you how it's supposed to work. Because you know the whole the whole age is about sound sound cues. Yes. So it's very easy to forget what the puzzle is telling you with regards to the sound cues in the in the maze. I think it's just the maze itself has too many dead ends that confuse the player.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um that audio aspect is so important to this game. Um when you go down a cavern or walk down some stairs and you hear echoes or just anything or like the sound of a generator humming, mm-hmm. like all those sound effects and then when music finally kicks in, all that stuff feels so good. Um this this game is uh, honestly, an audio-visual treat, and is probably the best example of a game I'm okay with being remade a bajillion times. Because what changes is that experience, mm-hmm. and not necessarily the fundamentals.
1: Yeah. do Do we want to get into the discussion of like differences between the the different versions, or do you do
0: you want to do that now, or do you want to wait for that?
1: I think I think we can wait for that because I think that could be. Um... An interesting discussion how do you feel about the story of mist because i i really got into this
0: well well again i mean i guess this is also going to show the difference between us and how we approach stuff but like i i thought of it a lot in terms of that initial island thing where they they give you a library they give you multiple books Mm -hmm. that tell you what's going on even if you don't get off that island you can experience enough of the story to understand you know, the, the conflict of the family at the very least. That's, you know, you can understand that. Yeah. And you can understand that the books represent different worlds. You can get all of those glimpses without necessarily the heavy characterization of the other worlds. So I really appreciate how it approaches lore. And it's all in a way that either you need to be able to do to solve a puzzle or largely appreciate on your own, which is a really nice balance that they were able to hit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think something about like the idea of finding yourself on a strange island in the middle of an endless sea and you like walk into one of the first buildings you see and it's a library and just sort of like going through those books one at a time and learning about like, because not every book is necessarily about an age you go to. Um, The the author, Atrar is his name or something, the dad. Um yes. He like makes Atrus. Uh, he makes references to ages that you never see. Like you know, he like it makes reference to Riven, which is the world of the of the sequel game. Um, but also mm-hmm. like he makes talk about like helping a rebellion in this place called Everdunes mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think I I read all the books before ever interacting with the red and blue book. Yes. And I think that colored my perception of when I first met the brothers, because for those that haven't played the game, the red and blue book have uh, the two brothers trapped in them, and they're the ones that send you on a quest to look for the missing pages of their books so that they can be freed. And the the brother yes. in the red book is Sirius, and the brother in the red book is... Uh, no, no, the brother blue. in the red book is Sirius, the blue book is Akinar. Yes. And they're just a little... They're done in FMV styles at least in the original and there's a toggle in the 2021 version where they're constantly yeah. like fading in and out between sentences so you're not really getting the full story from either of them until you get to like the very last pages for their book. So there is like yeah. and they're they're saying like, "Oh, don't don't speak to my brother. He's the bad one. He caused all of this." So going through each age and learning like little clues about the behaviors and personalities of the brothers and trying to piece it together um, I, I got into that mystery even though I guess on all the clues were pointing to both of them it's spoilers both of them are shit um, yeah um but at the same time I was thinking that yeah they're both shit but clearly one has to be more shit than the other, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that goes into, like, how they set it up. I think they characterized the dynamic between them very well. Um, I think the failure, and we talked about it privately, was that third ending. Basically, they are both shit, and you have to go to the dad
1: yeah. to get the it, good it, ending. It's so...
0: <sighs> I wish the good
1: ending was not so blatant. Because you get all the pages from the different ages... And then, depending on which brother you've, you're talking to, um, they're like, okay, go. you're going to input this code into this place, and you're going to see the final page. But there's also a green book there. Don't open the green book, or else you'll get trapped. <laughs> it's like, okay, what happens if I click on the green book? And you open the green book, and there's the dad. And he's like, oh, hello. Uh, both my sons are shit. Don't, don't listen to either of them. <laughs>
0: No but and, and, but that's so clumsy cuz that's like if if that's the big lore discovery or if that's the big revelation you need don't do it right at your at the doorsteps maybe maybe that book could only show up if you found the white page beforehand which we did
1: Yeah um I was thinking or cuz I found the white page yeah. very early on um Yeah and it's not hard Yeah and the entire time I was thinking like okay this is going to be to something and that's going to lead me to the true ending. And maybe that's me like looking at this with a very modern perspective from these types of games like this idea of oh, I've got to jump through several hoops and uncover secret mechanics in order to get the the true good ending of the story. Yeah. Which is not Yeah, I mean, which is not like a mentality I think that was even like around when this game came out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a a very curious thing where it's like you're begging for the hoops to jump through. But, like, by the end of it, Murph, now that you've played this game a bajillion times already, you know the solutions to the puzzles. It's not like an extra step in the quest would have changed anything. It just doesn't feel graceful. Maybe it's just the presentation there. Because otherwise, the presentation of this game is fantastic.
1: Mm -hmm. I think the presentation is very good, especially in the original versions. Um, Yeah. I think the the good ending maybe would have worked if just finding the code to where the green book was was some sort of secret hidden in one of the ages or something, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, I and I then it, yeah. and, and if you just listen to the brothers' directions, then, then that will always lead to the bad ending because maybe they give you a code to the final uh, red or blue page, but then there's also a secret code you can put in that leads
0: to the green book. Yep, yeah, no, that 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 would have been the easy way to do it, I think. Um that would have been graceful too. But again, it's like were they even thinking of that at the time? Mm-hmm. And it's and it and it's not necessarily a game that's focused on puzzles. I wasn't kidding when I compared it to a walking simulator. Like it it is largely like not about the puzzles you solve.
1: No, it is very much about the aesthetic and the wonder of the environments yeah. you find yourself in. Because they're always these sort of very impossible sort of environments. Yeah. Where I was saying like, like with the whole idea of liminal spaces, a lot of these places don't feel like you could live in them.
0: No. And unlike Dark Souls, it it feels like intentional throughout its core and not a product of necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. So, which version did you play? I played the most modern version, but I did go back. I didn't play the older versions. I I watched clips of the older versions just so I could be familiar with the node gameplay and be familiar with the pre rendered visuals or the non pre rendered visuals depending on the type.
1: Yeah, so I did um, I did Mist Masterpiece Edition, which, which is which one was that? That's the second release. Like the original version, Mist, you can't really get, but Masterpiece Edition is just like slightly the, updated the same visuals, but better but it's the exact same yeah. gameplay it's still like the static yeah. images it's still the point and click interface yeah and that's
0: the it's the hd remake of whatever time that was
1: yeah yeah there you go um <laughs> yeah and so i that's the version i did of like a six hour uh one sitting playthrough of and then i went in and did real mist which is is the, well, Real Miss Masterpiece Edition, which is technically the fourth re-release, but again, like, original Mist, original Real Mist, you can't really get anywhere because it was a buggy mess. Yeah. Real Miss Masterpiece Edition remakes the game in Unreal 4. It came out in, like, 2014 or something, and it's, uh, it was the first time you could, like, actually walk around the islands, like, they fully modeled the islands in a 3D interface. Do you
0: think that made it worse or better?
1: I think... Mmm... I think there's something to be said for the original interface in the presentation of everything. Like when you are um, going down like dark, creepy corridors, it's almost like you have to like, it's like the doors in resident evil one, you know, that where you have to keep clicking. Yeah, You you have to keep clicking. You have to keep wanting to go forward. And even though there's nothing like there's no danger in the game, there's still like that sense of unease. Like what will the next screen have for me? Yeah. You know, and I think there's something to be said for that aesthetic. Um, Mm -hmm. Real Myst Masterpiece has an option. You can actually do the fully walking around or you can do the, uh, the clicking interface and it provides like a camera transition between what each screen would be. Oh, wow. And I think that's a real elegant solution and a nice middle ground. I still would like the version where it cuts out that transition and it's just the stark jump. Yeah. Because I don't, it's one of those circumstances where the game wasn't designed. These environments weren't designed to be walked around in with full 3D movement.
0: Because then you become aware of how small they are. So, like, you wouldn't... Because technically the most modern remake was meant for VR, for instance. You wouldn't want a VR experience of this.
1: I don't think so. And I think, actually, the 2021 version, where it was done in Unreal 5, um, is the least of the three versions I played. That's fair.
0: And it comes... That's fair. I mean... Go ahead.
1: I think it comes down to... um, Like, we were talking about with, like, what is the vision for the original product? And to me... Everything from like the lore I got about Mist and these ages is that these are artificial worlds. And the lower res graphics actually help sell that more cuz yeah. it's because they do like the the FMV cutscenes like it's a real video of humans whenever someone's speaking to you. So I almost entirely buy that if I saw one of these dudes walking around, they would look like a real human interacting with these cartoon environments. Yeah. and maybe that's just I, my I particular perspective on like the quote unquote lore of the game but to me giving it like the super realistic like environments where you've got like this nature and uh, these like birds and butterflies floating around kind of kill the
0: the barrenness.
1: Of the original. I, I
0: I can absolutely see that. The, the, this game definitely wants you to feel like you're you're in ruins. Even the library itself. When we talked about the library, libraries books are mostly burned. Yeah. Uh, there's only there's only a handful of books left, and that should say a lot about um, the the intended experience of you're you're looking at ruins. You're looking at. You're you're looking at books. You're you're looking at old yeah. stories and old worlds um, from another time. Because and you're sort of picking up the pieces. Because
1: ultimately, what the game is, it's it's like missed the quest for someone to talk to, right? Yeah. It, <laughs> it's like you are you are trapped on this island. You don't know how you got there. The only people that seem to know something and can possibly help you are two sketchy dudes trapped in books. Yeah and it's like well i i guess i'll do what they ask cuz i've got literally nothing else to do yeah um and and again sort of on on the library in the differences between the versions in the 2021 remake you can only read the books that have like information in them and they're very yeah. clearly like bright and stick out on the shelf Like this is the one you're supposed to read in the original, the books kind of blend together and you can even click on ones that don't have information in them, but it just shows a bunch of burned pages. And I think that helps sell that um, idea of like something happened here. And Mm -hmm. yeah, just a lot of the changes in the 2021 version uh, maybe I'm petty and maybe like, because this was the third time playing through this story, I was kind of like, well, why, why change that? You know, like a lot of the puzzles, a lot of the puzzles interface are redesigned to be more VR like, like a lot more like yes. moving levers and knobs. Whereas before, you would just like click a button.
0: Um, I've I've got some comments now. Sure. Um, first of all, I I don't I think I think my appreciation of the node system doesn't come from a place of I I like the artificiality and it makes it feel less small. For me, it's much more like. Um when they made those they made specific images they had to pre-render that specific Mm. image instead of making a whole world um, so So those are way more articulated in like Intended poses. Yeah, you know what I mean? Whereas whereas when you're just experiencing it freestyle um It's not necessarily you can miss something but you may see it from an angle that's less than developer intended And it may lessen the impact for you. Um I don't mind the free roam. And I actually looking at just the video gameplay, um, I preferred the remake one to at the very least the other free roam one. Because mm-hmm. uh the color palette. The color palette like completely like matters to me. And like the older ones, um the older node titles Add a more subdued color palette, but it's a little bit more saturated or a little bit more poppy, at least. It it feels, like, very personalized and stylized in a nice way versus that um, – was it Real Mist? Is Real Mist the – The first one where you can, like, actually room? move around? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That that's that's the one I'm talking about where, where I think the color palette is lacking because, at the very least, I, I also want to feel – Not necessarily engrossed in the world, but that audio-visual element really pops when uh, the colors and sound work together.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, Real Mist definitely feels, and the 2021 remake to a kind of the same degree, definitely feels like it's using Mist more as a tech demo than actually, like, being about Mist. Like, in Real Mist, they add in a day-night cycle to every age which,
0: oh yeah, that, yeah, adds
1: nothing and I think would confuse people. Um, but I do I do like some of the redesigns for certain areas. like in real mist, the uh, the Stone Ship age. Uh, they set in an in a eternal storm. Like there's rain coming down constantly.
0: Oh, I see that, yeah.
1: And then like yeah. the Selenic Age with like the different sounds, uh, it, there's like a heavy fog over everything. So when you see like something mm-hmm. coming out of the fog and it's making this weird, like repeating droning sound, it's a lot more mysterious.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um. So in, in terms of ranking, how are you ranking the versions you played? I think... I think the, I think
1: Mist Masterpiece Edition is probably, like, if I'm going to say, like, you are going to, like, experience Mist, that's the version. Okay. But for my money, probably real Mist Masterpiece Edition has enough, like, compromises, and it's a nice middle ground for people that might be off-put by the original interface, because you can still do the point-and-click stuff, or you can do, like, the more modern... 3D movement and also it offers a very generous hint system where Mm -hmm. um, in each age you can pull up like a list of it's like a QA it's like how do I turn the water on and it will say like well where do you turn the water on in your house and it's like oh the spigot you know yeah stuff like that
0: and 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 that's that's so graceful in terms of puzzle design
1: yeah and it also offers an entirely new age not present in the original or the twenty twenty one remake uh the age of rhyme which is mm. sort of done after uh the story is complete i guess you could access it anytime you want if you knew the solution um there's not a whole lot to the age of rhyme it's a very interesting locale where it's like these frozen rocks and there's snow coming down and there's this really strange creepy groaning in the
0: background
1: like like whales
0: i was under the impression it was meant to set up one of the sequels
1: yeah yeah and the the end point of it is that you see like a jpeg of riven <laughs>
0: yeah, of course classic
1: yeah um uh, but still like you know it's it's more content and i don't think it's awful yeah. the main thing you get in rhyme is a lot more journals mm-hmm. so if you want more from the story which i kind of did by that point i wanted to know more about these characters and how this sort of these world this world building literally works yeah um yeah and that's not present in the 2021 version which is very odd because it seems like that's where they would really want to show off some tech with like snow physics and stuff
0: yeah but yeah i i don't know what makes them choose the different things i I guess they might have thought they don't need to promote Riven anymore, but who knows?
1: It is odd that, like, none of the other missed games have gotten this treatment. It's always missed one.
0: Well, I mean, I was going to say, um, looking at reception afterwards, it's very curious how well this game sold. This game sold fucking... Oh, one of the best-selling
1: PC games, like, ever. One of the best-selling games ever. Yeah, this...
0: And, and it's interesting because like I, I looked at reception afterwards and people love the later game. People love Riven. Yeah. Like Riven's like beloved. And it's like, I guess the only reason why mist is in our cultural consciousness is because they keep pushing it because that's the one that sells. But there, there's clearly love elsewhere. And there's and there's a lot to like there's a lot I would like to see in sequels. Yeah. So like the pitch to Riven for me was like, oh, this sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, and, like, the game also... How do you feel about, like, the actual ending?
0: Oh! <laughs> Y- you mean the third one right like you mean the, uh, yeah, the good one the, right the, the, the good ending um it feels like it feels like it's brushing it away it's like oh there'll be a better one next time stick yeah. around and maybe you'll find out I because actually
1: I didn't fun. get that scene the first time I played
0: what uh, did you just click the book immediately I
1: sat around for what felt like a minute and I was like well he's not coming back might as well head he said he would come back Murph yeah but he didn't right away <laughs>
0: he had to burn the books yeah murph you're mr lore guy he had to burn the book which takes time yeah
1: it is um yes it is odd how the game doesn't have like i don't know it doesn't have like a payoff like no. atris is just like oh thank goodness you helped me all right <laughs> you know yeah the door's there yeah, a-
0: oh thank you friend you can explore mist Which I've already been doing. Yeah,
1: but I was expecting something of like, oh, I'll help you get home, because that's ostensibly your character doesn't know how they got there, you know? Gosh. Yeah. And then, it is odd that the remakes, given that there is no, like, remake of Riven, that they still keep in the tease of like, hey, uh, I may ask you to help save my wife shortly.
0: (laughs) Okay, it's like, all right, I know the sequel tease, but... You know
1: yeah oh so so my my fun trivia about the uh the actors in the game so like yes. you said the the two brothers are played by the brothers that made the game Ram, Robin and Rand Miller mm-hmm. but did you know that they're the only two actors in the game what, what do they do uh because uh atris the father is also played by the brother in the blue book
0: that's so funny
1: yeah I could see that yeah. and that that blew my mind and I realized that I would one hundred percent fall for any superhero alter ego.
0: <laughs> you would have fell for the Clark Kent thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. And it just goes to show, like how actual, like presentation of yes, uh, characters uh, will have them feel different. And something about the twenty twenty one version, I I flat out dislike is the CG models. Yeah, there been- Yes, you can turn on the FMV cutscenes, but that was something they. Patched in.
0: Because <laughs> yeah, the, the, the models suck. Yeah, yeah, the
1: models suck. And also you don't get a lot of the weird camera angles that they do when the brothers are talking to you with the static fading in and out. In fact, they don't do the static at all. They just have like some weird blue and or red fog come in and obscure them briefly.
0: The FMV thing goes back to the blood omen thing where it's like, you know, if we go by Twitter objective standards, people would be like, oh, cringe, this is... This is so dated, but it's like, no, literally you couldn't get better. You literally can't. Cause like, it's part of its identity. Yeah. And you know I, what I mean? want
1: like the F and uh, work for the game. Yes. Um, yes, they do. Because like I said, like the, I buy that these worlds are artificial. I can buy that. They just look like that, you know? Yeah. So having real people there like confirms that. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite world? I like the stone ship age. Um, the one where you're like yeah. raising and lowering water levels.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's mine. And I also liked the lighthouse puzzle. The lighthouse puzzle is the best puzzle. Um, Like which part of the lighthouse puzzle? Like the key? I, I would say all of it. I would, I would say the key part, but then I also like when you have to do the, um when you see the compass and then you have to do the right degree. Yeah. Um, That's another place where I say real mist is better
1: than the original because with that, moving the telescope in the original if it's a very small circle and if you click anywhere outside of it it takes you out of that screen so you have to very carefully very slowly drag and move (laughs) like you're moving literally by degrees
0: that makes sense what what was your favorite puzzle my
1: favorite puzzle um i i do like the the puzzle with the telescope i think that's a very elegant um, cause when it clicks, like when it clicks, like, what do I do with this information? Mm-hmm. It's very, yes. it's very
0: feels good. And, and, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. And it's like this, I just remembered it is like, what's so beautiful is there's no inventory. If there was a fucking inventory where I could load up on my pages and my keys, I'd be like, what the fuck is yeah, this? Yeah. That would, that would confuse things. It, it would confuse things. Whereas like, if you're in a world, number one, you can't leave the world Yes, until you find the book which means you have to solve at least some fucking puzzle um and and then it's just all the all the elements are right there and there's not that many especially within the world when you're in mist there's more complexity but like outside of that there's there's just the puzzle itself so then you only have you know so many yeah and each world ultimately has like really only two puzzles the swamp one was so good for me because that was my first starting one and it was all just like doing the water route and the sound it just clicked on me like what kind of game this was going to be and it was a really good start
1: yeah that uh that was actually my last world uh, um which uh probably is the reason why i was still feeling there was a mystery afoot because that's where you like find like two big things about the brothers yes um
0: yeah, so Order of Worlds may be completely, like, changing for your perspective. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I like that. I like the non-linearity. It's really, like, you kind of have to do uh, the mechanical age first, because that's the one it directs you towards. Yeah. But after that point, it's kind of open season. Um, Channelwood, the, the swamp age, and that just goes to show how mm-hmm. much I like these games, so that I know all the ages by name. Um, that's something where, uh, going back to remakes, where it plays, the puzzle's, like, almost not a puzzle when you have full movement
0: yeah. yes yeah yeah it was very easy for me to just oh okay
1: yeah especially once you get up to the treetops and that's like sort of a maze you know mm-hmm. um when you can actually yeah. just see where you're going and immediately backtrack when you realize you're going the wrong way
0: it that... and there's so much depth of field versus the articulated spot where it's like all right i got i guess i gotta take a left here
1: yeah or like just even that's the that's a place where the node uh, like slideshow gameplay does hamper the experience because it's like, okay, I'm clicking forward forward is the place I want to go. And it's like, did you mean to go f- the path that's forward into the left? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where it's yeah, a bit it's clumsy. Funny. And then when you go through it with full movement, it's like, Oh, I'm just zipping through this.
0: Let me ask you now, are we going into broader topic or did you have, uh, I mean, if we're still talking opponent. about
1: puzzles, Oh God.
0: Can I talk about the worst puzzle? <laughs> Yeah, you talked about the worst puzzle. Go ahead. Okay. If agree, it is the worst puzzle. It's bad.
1: So in it to get to the Selenic Age, uh, which is the Age of Sound, you have to put in this combination on a piano. Uh, and you find the, the combination in the book for the Selenic Age, the journal in the library. Um, but it's not just that you put in the combination on the piano. You then have to go to the other side of this little rocket ship and move sliders to to match the tone each key makes. Yeah. And it doesn't fucking
0: work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was really bad for me. It it was one of those where I couldn't cheat it either. I had to actively, like, do it. Well, you, you should be able to cheat it. You should be able to cheat it because you can go, like, this is the
1: eighth key on the keyboard, ergo, it should correlate to the eighth, like, notch on the slider, but it Doesn't at all because and uh, when I was telling you about why this doesn't work, I didn't realize the 2021 version is bad in completely different ways.
0: What did the what is the difference?
1: Because that was the one I. So the original, um, you can hold down the key and it will like the key on the keyboard and it will play like the loop. But it's very, it's yes. like a looping note. It's not like a single tone. I gotcha. But every loop is signified by like a loud audio, like like a pop. Yes. But they're all different lengths. Each key, for some reason, they didn't get like, okay, a 30-second loop for each key. No, some of them are 10-second loops. Some of them are, are five-second loops.
0: They're not standard. Yeah.
1: So when you're going over and trying to count out the notches, each time you move the notch, there's also an audio pop. Yeah. So when you get to one of those that has a short loop and you you're like you hear two pops you're like oh no i accidentally moved two two notches i've lost my count yeah um but when i did that puzzle in real mist uh i was able to count it out because each notch is visibly like a full length of the slider
0: so so this entire time you're telling me that real mist is the best kind of that's what i was saying
1: like for my money it probably is like the best version of the game i just like the aesthetic of the very
0: original i got you yeah i i can i can completely appreciate that
1: yeah um and then uh in 2021 mist they don't do the looping notes in fact it's just a single like 10 second tone and then it drops dead so you can't even like get in like a loop in your mind of like okay this is how it sounds this is how it sounds going over to the sliders
0: and you and i'm tone deaf murph i'm fucking stupid
1: and for some reason like the sliders are fiddly again in the 2021 version so you can't count them out
0: yeah it's bad it's bad it's bad and then like and then when i got into the age i think that age is the most complex i um. At the very least, it's the fucking maze. The maze so, is complex. Like yeah. I, 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 uh, the, I, I hit some difficulties with it. The the
1: actual like first puzzle you do with like the door code, I kind of cheesed that. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Because you do um, the puzzle where you've got to like align the receipt. Match
0: match this the symbols yeah. with the uh sound. Yeah.
1: But but here's the and the 2021 version doesn't have this method for cheesing it, In the original mm. it shows um. It has the symbols for, like, each shrine, like the fissure, the well, the clock. And you can click yes. that, and it will show you what that camera is currently pointing at. Yeah. So, if you do, and it shows you, like, what degree of rotation the uh, the camera's at. So, if you just do first camera one degree, second camera two degrees, etc. etc. and then play click play me the combination, and it'll be, like, three, four, one, five. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. then you've got the code without having to do all the alignment.
0: Oh you see, that's cheese that's that's not fair. <laughs> that's not right. I dare you. That wasn't
1: developer intent. Granted, that's the only time like I ever did feel like I could cheese the puzzle.
0: Yeah. Um I also liked I also liked the star puzzle um on Mist. Oh. Where you where you had to look at the observatory Type in the dates and then you had to match them with the constellations. So that one, that one in the original run,
1: I, I accidentally skipped over because I was just pushing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. Because I was like, oh, maybe I highlight the uh, runes that the ship is pointing at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? And that turned out to That's work. That's crazy. Oh, may- maybe that is intentional though.
1: Oh. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I was just switching things on and off and then suddenly something worked.
0: <laughs> there you go damn um i guess i would ask now that we're i guess broadening out this is another banger game we have played a bunch of banger games recently mm-hmm. um how do you feel about this game and then like just playing this sort of backlog of like oh i should play this game and then we play it and then we're like oh this is good how do you feel about
1: this? are you asking if i want to play good games yeah <laughs>
0: yeah i would add i guess my question is is like before the podcast before i recorded podcasts i wouldn't play these games i kept i kept trying to play mist i tried to play mist like a bajillion times and then i would always get stuck on the island and then this was the time where it's like no brogan if you're gonna fucking play this game it's this fucking episode so you better fucking do
1: it so mist is an interesting one because we sort of like put it on the uh, the episode list idea in passing, and then I bought the GOG Mist bundle. It was like I've got to I've got to justify this purchase. Hey, bro. Yes. Because Mist yeah. has been a game I've always been just a little bit curious about, based on its popularity, and the fact that I don't really see. I like I like experiencing popular things because it gives me that cultural knowledge. Yeah. Like the first time I saw Airplane, I was like, oh, I get now like 30 different references in The Simpsons.
0: Yes. It all builds on top of each other um, culturally. But like, I don't need that. That's I don't think that's the, the, the thing that's motivating me to play these games. I think I'm enjoying these because it's like, I don't know. I I feel the magic at the least, at least especially for Myst. And, well, seeing uh, that, that was, I was going to say is like
1: playing Mist. I can't think of any references I can't think of any homages yeah. I've seen. It's still a damn good game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I can see what what become became of later stuff. Like again, I would compare it to modern walking simulators, mm-hmm. un- unironically with no shame. And then, like, I would I would compare it to like things like The Witness or other sort of puzzle box exploration things. I think. I think this game, this is a bro game, by the way, mm-hmm. in terms of the solitude. I You asked if I was lonely earlier, and it's like, I think I think the primary thing I think about when I play games is like me interacting with the world. Yeah. And so if you have good world design, or you have like a seamless player experience, or there's like a nice merge between them, it works really well. And Mist is one of those games that's like all about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the loneliness is a real key part of Mist, because when you read those journals at the start, like with the, uh, the Channelwood age, and it's like, oh, there's this race of, like, sort of mischievous, but uh, good-hearted monkey people. And you're like, oh, I can't mm-hmm. wait to meet the monkey people. And then you go to that age, and it's just, like, dead and empty, and there's, like, very clear yeah. signs of, like, a battle happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what, what was the original question? Should the show play good games? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's more just like how you feel about it, like in terms of the backlog again, because because I the, the 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 podcast has changed my tastes. You had a project before where you would play franchises. Yeah, but but like we're doing we're doing something different than that. Where it's like we're literally just picking weird shit or bangers.
1: Yeah, I like. Um, Hmm a big question i only came here with (laughs) missed knowledge
0: (laughs) you were you were prepared for the piano puzzle but you weren't prepared for this
1: puzzle um i like i am a person that experiences uh choice paralysis um okay yeah where you know i i am the person that will scroll netflix for an hour and never make a solid choice and be like well that was my evening um, that's why i started playing through franchises so i could always have something like if i don't know what to play i can play this because this gets me further along on this project yes so,
0: that makes sense and and yeah it builds on top of each other too. it is the the obligation that entices me yeah, i i get you so so the the daydream would be an obligation here. yes yeah. let me ask you uh It'd be easier to transition into the, the next game, but we could go ahead and do plugs. A plug away? Well, I I think so. Oh, yeah, we've right. We've
1: got um, uh, we've got quite a few podcasts on this network, and they seem to be growing all the time. Um, unfortunately, no no other video game podcasts, but we do have the Stacks After Hours, where uh. Our friends Steven and Jack from Across the Pond will uh, occasionally talk about video games, but they may also talk about books they've read and some movies they've seen and just sort of, you know, general water cooler discussion about uh, media. And, and the stacks are so productive. They are, they are. When are we getting a brand?
0: We're... The Daydreamcast is the brand, unfortunately. When are we recording? And it's on a movie website, yeah. so we've... <laughs>
1: We've really picked them, haven't we? When are we going to like start recording
0: our own like riff tracks? <laughs> I I would do uh, you know this is going to be so weird to say on cast. I, I was thinking like what if what if I go to Murph and we talk about animated series? An animated would series. Would you like watch BTAS? I Yeah? Or like an anime like Sailor Moon or some shit? We could do a TV thing. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. We'll shelve that. Because TV is like the thing that like I also don't do. I never do TV ever. Yeah. I hate TV. I don't think we have any podcasts just about TV. <laughs> I always got to look for a niche to fill.
1: Yeah. Um, but in the line of other movie podcasts, um, we have the, the Twin Geeks podcast, which the site is named for, where David and Calvin, who have both been on the podcast at this point, um talk about different filmographies
0: they're doing robert altman yes but now. only
1: early robert altman
0: Well, i mean it's just you say it as if it's like some specific thing. that's just where they are right now they're gonna do all of altman it's just gonna take weeks and weeks
1: no no they were telling me that they're just gonna be specifically looking at a specific period
0: oh well then i don't know what they're doing i thought okay never mind
1: maybe i'm wrong and they'll at me on the discord
0: I thought they already did. I thought I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll tell you what, how about the viewer of this podcast? Go check and see who's right. Please or wrong. leave then, a, you know.
1: leave a comment, um, uh, telling us. And then also, uh, for the Twitter post reblog, if I'm right. And then like it, if bros, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so uh, next one, uh, ranking the monsters, where Steven and Calvin of Stax and Twin Geeks podcast fame uh, watch two kaiju movies and then add them to a very long ongoing uh, tier list of all the kaiju movies they have seen so far. Um, I believe they just recorded a new one that should be up shortly.
0: Uh, Do do we know the titles?
1: I believe it's two other Gamera titles. They haven't gone back to the G-Man in a while.
0: Uh, well you know the g-man pops up eventually probably because right? the
1: next g-man is going to be uh, godzilla's revenge what, what else uh 808s and pod breaks where uh that's a music cast. it is it's a music cast where they specifically talk about uh, different genres of hip-hop and such uh very specifically looking at certain uh albums or discographies or very niche genres um, the most recent one was on clipping and horrorcore. Okay, are you yeah.
0: a music guy, Brogan? Uh, n- not, not entirely. Okay, no.
1: I am a guy who, when I hear like subgenres of music, I go, "That doesn't exist." <laughs> oh, you see,
0: I don't do that. i I think everything. Exists.
1: I'm the person. I, I... I'm the person in okay. that meme where it's like a list of different types of like metal, and then on the other side is just one list, and it says. like rock music yeah
0: no i see what you're saying i mean there's a point in time where like genre distinctions i mean we could apply the same thing to games Mm -hmm. is like i I wouldn't say arbitrary but start stop serving functional purposes but then again like i think a lot of times they're for communities i am i am sure horror core is less about the aesthetic and more about that specific community hmm hmm
1: well, I guess you just have to listen to the podcast, dear listener, to find out what makes horrorcore so special. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh what else? What else? What else? Uh I mean there's like, you know, there there's like 80 11 different stack <laughs> spin-offs. Exploration yeah, through Asian cinema, uh Steven yep. interviewing his favorite letterboxd reviewers. Yep 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 yep
0: i believe i need to get in that letterboxd game i need to start uh reviewing some directed dvd uh barbie movies or something oh oh well i mean what's your favorite barbie movie but uh, i i don't have one i that's why i said i need to watch it. i mean
1: i have fond memories of rapunzel but okay, i'll also accept right. nutcracker because it has tim curry oh there you go that you
0: need the voice talent and gravitas yeah 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 as you know there's, i heard something the other day that you can learn
1: a lot about a man from what the first tim curry project he thinks of yeah and me it's either barbie rapunzel or congo
0: oh uh, see to me it's rocky horror or clue yeah i've never been really that into clue oh clue's so sick bro. anyway uh, tune in next so episode wrong. where
1: we talk about clue <laughs>
0: Wait, there was also there was also the
1: stacks one that's key, No Thanks. Ah, that, uh, yes, good. where they go through the bottom two hundred and fifty of Letterbox. The you're slipping
0: on plug and Murph. The, you're slipping.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I have a list, and then the list like increases by twenty podcasts because Steven got a wild hair up his ass. It's like I need to make I need to make a podcast specifically about uh times when the camera turns
0: blue. Whereas we just say it in our video game podcast. Yeah. I'll just throw it in here. Who cares? Yeah. All right. Is I, think, that, I think. What? What's the
1: next game? What's the next game? Yes. Well, why don't we say it at the same time, since we both clearly know it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're gonna be talking Three, about two, 1, American, American McGee's, McGee's
0: Alice. Alice. Hey. <laughs> there you go. I knew it. Yeah. We, said, we agreed beforehand. It's It wasn't a surprise. You were acting like it was, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mitch. I thought it was funny to freak you out. Uh. All
1: right. All right. American <laughs> McGee's Alice. We will discover why a raven is like a writing desk.
0: Will we? Poe wrote on both. <laughs> I assume it's like, uh, I assume it's just like hot
1: topic Alice. Maybe it's better. Maybe we'll find out. It's all about getting to the backlog, right?